Real is what you feel, feelings aren't real. Put your money down, lose your back, spin the wheel. Real is what you feel, feelings aren't real. Put your money down, lose your back, spin the wheel. Real is what you feel, feelings aren't real. Put your money down, lose your back, spin the wheel. Real is what you feel, feelings aren't real. Put your money down, lose your back, spin the wheel. Hey everyone, it's Joe Batance. Did you miss me? I was gone for a little bit, and uh, two white people talked about issues uh, with people of color, so why not have two people of color (laughs) talk about it? This is Rulaska Thoughts. The realness. Hey everyone, now I am joined by my old pal. I shouldn't let the music play longer there. I don't know why. But is it, I know, I, I was know. jamming. I know, and I have that long intro. I'm like, I'm out like really fast. Um, <laughs> we have, actually, I'm really excited. It's an old friend of mine, Jamila. Jamila I was, I, yeah, you know what? I've been to ask you this. Are you going by your married name? Are you still officially Jamila, why can't I, Jamila Williams? How are, uh, okay, uh, how so are you Okay, so I've this? been Jamila Zara Williams my entire life, uh-huh. and I've always kind of hated my last name just because uh-huh. it's like Jamila Zara and then it's Williams. <laughs> and so then when I got married, I was like, oh, I could change it to my husband's last name, which is hyphenated. It's yeah. Turner Harris. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, that's kind of boring, too. So professionally, I've just been going by my first name, which is Jamila, and my middle name, which is Zara, oh. as like whole name. I yeah. feel so. Just a little brief history. Jamila was the producer on uh, Larry Flick's show over on Sirius XM Radio, and that's how I got to know her. And he would always call you Jamila Williams. Yes, yes. He would always call me Jamila Williams, and I mean, that's my name, so I rocked with it. But it's like, now, I don't know, it's like, I also just shaved my head recently, so I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to go by my first and middle name. I'm just going to shave my head. I'm just going to, I'm having a, like, (laughs) like a life crisis. Not midlife crisis, but... Quarter life crisis. Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, and then, uh, so Jamila Zara, and, that, and you know, the Instagram name is the same one, right? It's J-A-M-E-L-A-Z-A-H-R-A, is that right? Yes, exactly. I, that was my yes. memory. Jamila Zara, and they're both, my name, my first name, middle name are Arabic. So I get a lot of people who are like, how do I say this? And then I get in a cab, and they're like, oh, Jamila, my mom's name is Jamila. Oh, really? So, yeah, it's Arabic, so all the all my... My Arab brothers and sisters, they, they know how to say it immediately. Now, you know, Jamila and I, you know, spent a couple of seasons breaking down all the tea. And in fact, the first season we did together, Jamila, wasn't that your first season watching Drag Race? Yes, it was All Stars 2, which is like known as a phenomenal season. So my first season ever watching it yeah. was full of drama. Oh, like yeah. It was just, it was great. I fell in love with the show. Yeah, and then now you've been, has it been, because this season you weren't uh, producing the show. So were you like chomping at the bit? Were there moments where you're like, oh, I just want to get on the air? But, but yeah, shout out to Larry for just even introducing me to the show because I love it. Like. I love it. Even though the season I felt was kind of a a drag, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. And um it I still love it. Like I still watch Untucked. I'm still and yeah, there were moments where I was just like it's it, not so much that I wanted to get on the air and say something, but I really mm-hmm. wanted to know what the four of you guys had to to say about it. 
I really wanted to hear like your opinions because I know you guys have been watching it for years and years yeah. and years. Yeah. Well, you know, I actually I wonder if on Larry's show, I feel like on Larry's show, we didn't really get into it all that much with the stuff we're going to talk about today because I okay. think I yeah. don't know if that necessarily fit with the EW brand. Getting right. In. Yeah. 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 They can only get it, but so spicy. Yeah, oh, like no. you can't say fuck on EW. You can say whatever you want to hear. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. You don't have to worry about that. I'm, I'm always, I always having to bite my tongue on on uh, on that show. I mean, but that's the thing is that entertainment is so political now, you know, and it's just because that's what something that comes with diversity you want to be more inclusive but yeah. you're also going to have to talk about things that you're not used to talking about with all white cast and all male cast you know exactly. like so uh, it's it's kind of hard to avoid talking about these things okay so actually before we even get into the reunion because again you've watched the whole season and obviously i mean you could talk about whatever you want but i'm very curious because you know in the beginning up until like the middle you know, race and and the way race was portrayed in the show was a big part, I think, for the first time, really, on the show, inside the story of the show. So what was your hot take on just the whole run of The Vixen? Okay, so when I first watched the show this season, like the first episode, my immediate thought was, this is the first cast of drag race girls that have had this many black Queens. I was yeah. like, oh, there are a lot of black queens. Mm-hmm. And you had um, um Banji yeah. and, you know, Yua. And so I was like, oh, wow, there's a lot of queens of color on this show. And then yeah. they dropped like <laughs> flies. And it was just crazy to watch and just to know what the final four is. Yeah. I was just like, really? Wow. But, um, Miss, okay, so the Vixen. I, the thing that I felt about the Vixen was I kind of felt like a black mama watching it where you want to just sit her down and just say, listen, life is hard. I'm going to say things to you that are going to piss you off mm-hmm. and you have to focus on your game. Yeah. Your mission is to win this and you have to focus on that. You can't focus on anybody else. That's the black mom in me that's saying that. And I feel like that's what Paul was saying, but yeah. I felt like she was saying you like you're too angry or like you, you know, like you're letting anger drive you. And I'm saying you you have a right to be your your emotions. You have a right to and she was picking on you. She was, you know, like there people will say things under their breath sometimes mm-hmm. that will make you so upset. But the second you react, it's like, well, why is perfect? Okay, so perfect example. I used to work in corporate America. And I remember one time I was getting coffee in the kitchen and uh, a white woman came in the kitchen and I had worked so hard on my hair, just getting it super curly and bouncy. And this white woman comes into the kitchen and says, oh, wow, I love your hair. It's so wild and all over the place. (laughs) Now, I was pissed and I wanted to go off on her so bad. But if I had went off on her, then it would have been like, why is Jamila cussing the woman out? And I wanted to be like, oh, really? Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. Well, I love your hair. It's so limp and lifeless. (laughs) Because then I would have been the bitch, you know? So it's just, you kind of have to let things roll off your back just to play the game. Mm -hmm. And that's where I was coming from. And I felt like RuPaul was coming in place of, 
well, you're the you're the shit starter. You're the you know, you're the instigator, which I don't think she was. I don't think she was at all. I just think that she had a thin too thin of a skin for for this show, maybe. But don't you think there were, I remember there being moments, I think we talked about it on our show, where I would want to, like, I was actually very just puzzled by the Vixens, because in that fight with Aquaria and Untucked, she even, again, a, a big first for the show, references the world outside of Drag Race, and mm-hmm. references the camera, and says, like, you know, basically says, you're, and she even, she even says what you're saying, like, oh, now I'm the angry black bitch, or something like that, who just right. made a white girl cry. You know? Well, because anytime you like, anytime you make a, a a white queen cry on that show, or a white queen cry in real life, mm-hmm. it's like when people look at the situation from afar, they just automatically are looking at you as to why did you make her cry. There's not a lot of well, what happened yeah. in general? Like, how did we get to this point? Yeah. And the funny thing was that the fight between Aquaria and the Vixen. All she said, all the vixen said was, because Aquarium seemed like the copying between Miss Cracker and her was a long going thing. She even went into detail. Yeah. Yeah, this has been going on for a while. Like one time I wore a yellow dress and mm-hmm. then, you know, cut she cut a hole in it after I cut a hole in it. And it's like, if it's not that big of a deal, which is what you were trying to cover up and be like, oh, I didn't make it into that big of a deal, then mm-hmm. why do we know this much detail? You yeah. really did make it seem like it was an ongoing problem in New York. Mm-hmm. And then when she, brought it up in front of everybody then you were like oh no i didn't say all of that yeah. blah, blah, blah. so i just i felt like that was just the vixen being like uh-uh girl that's not what you said and then it became this fight where in the end it looks like she started it and then that's what was making me so angry is because on this reunion stage rupaul was like oh well you should have just not said anything mm-hmm. that's what made her walk out yeah so that's what made her walk out yeah so yeah, so when I, I remember when I was, I remember in that particular fight, I actually was very much on the vixen side, and I was like, you know what, you're right. This does happen all the time. It's a it's a problem that's pervasive in uh, the drag community. We'll probably have a conversation about that too right now with you know mediocre white queens having all these followers, and then p- black queens who just crush it. They don't have any followers, and right. um, and what does that say about the the drag race fan community? But then it's the episode we started to go episode by episode and at a certain point I was like, well, okay, you you've shown that you're aware about your perception outside of this show. Why are you giving the uh the producers and forgive the metaphor to make it up, but like the noose to hang you with? You know, like why yeah. are you giving them the rope to 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 portray you in this way? And that was that was what gave me frustrated with the vixen. And I, I think it might have been one of those things where, she, you know, you're aware of that there's cameras, but you're also just caught up in what's going on. And I've been in that situation where I want to fight back and be like, no, you're not being fair. And no, you're not, you know, treating me with res- the respect that I deserve. But at mm-hmm. the same time, you also need to focus on sewing your garment <laughs> because <laughs> when it's runway time, yeah. I just don't remember I don't remember the Vixen as a queen, except for I remember her being beautiful mm-hmm. and being fishy, but that's about it. I don't really remember anything that stood out as like a moment. And I think it's that she just let them permeate her skin. And she just, you know, just you can't fight every 
battle, I think. And so that's why I feel like me and RuPaul were essentially saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. I just think that she has a right to her feelings, you Uh, know, but... so what were your thoughts yeah. on the other queens of color? Because, because I do think, especially in that reunion moment, the personalities of the other queens like Mayhem, Asia, Monet, and Oh, Monique. that was hard to watch. It was hard to watch just because I felt like they left her out to see, <clears throat> you know? And then it was, it was, I think it was, I felt like they left her out to see, especially because it was Paul who eventually stopped moderating mm-hmm. and started being like, listen, you have a problem. You have a problem with anger. You're mm-hmm. always reacting and you're always instigating. And I noticed this throughout the season and there was just kind of, she was by herself. And that made me, because eventually when she said, "I what was the line? She was like, you guys are telling me how to act, but you're not telling, or telling me how to react, but you're not telling her how to act. Yeah. Then RuPaul was like, oh, well, you're not off the hook either, Rika. But it's like, why did it take that long? You know, we have footage that shows that. And then, oh, no, the crazy part was towards the end of the season Mm -hmm. when I think Eureka was trying to get Cameron to sing. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to. (laughs) And she just kept pushing and pushing. And then everyone went off on her. And it's like, oh, my God, see, this is what the vixen was dealing with. And well, you, know, I don't, you guys gave her a villain edit. Back to that moment with Eureka. Why didn't anyone bring up Eureka earlier in the season was about how she couldn't sing because she was traumatized <laughs> when she was a kid because her father made her sing. And right. She was doing the same thing to Cameron, trying to make yes. Cameron sing. It yes. Was, what a that would have been the perfect time to bring that up. <laughs> yeah. Like, like <laughs> bitch, you just said your dad like a week ago that your dad made you sing and now you couldn't sing in the share musical or whatever. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, and I think the craziest thing to me, I mean, this is a side, this is an aside from the, the Vixen, but with Cameron Michaels, I'm, you know, I'm new to the drag race world, mm-hmm. but it's like what I like to see in a drag queen is someone who can not only turn looks, but someone who's got fire, a feistiness to them, mm-hmm. a personality. And I just don't see that in her at all. No. So when um, Monique Hart brought it up in the reunion, like, who is this girl? Who mm-hmm. is this woman in the final four? It's yeah. like, yeah, who is she? I don't know who she is. And at least I, as troubled, and I say troubled, but I mean, she's not, she's just hard, man. It's hard being black. And I'm sure it's hard being black and gay and being drag queen in yeah. a world that is very, very, very much catering to, you know, white queens. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's hard, but you just, you have to learn to kind of fight past it. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of it, pay Marsha P. Johnson, pay it no mind. You have yeah. to learn to do that. And especially in a competition setting. And I just don't think she was able to. And I think that's why she wasn't as strong as a competitor. I really hope she gets a second chance. Maybe not the next All-Stars. I want her in, in an All-Stars. I want her to have a second chance at this. I'm curious because what I'm hearing is that she was a problem offset as well. You know, that that uh, that the crew didn't like her. In fact, our, our pal Larry Flick was saying that he had tea that the day that she left, they had a champagne toast. Uh, because oh, she was very difficult. No. Yeah. And, and see, if- that's disrespectful too. I understand that <laughs> she may have been a problem, but a champagne toast? 
Dang. <laughs> okay, so I, I want to quickly go over th- the other four black queens because I, I do I have a point to make about that later. But like I do think that they're kind of important. So what were your thoughts? Just quick thoughts on like Mayhem Miller. Mayhem Miller is like somebody that they kept repeatedly saying, "Oh, she's a legend. She's yeah. a legend." on the drag queen circuit but i remember watching her on the show and being like i don't know if i want to buy a ticket to that you know like if she's playing at the lori Beachman, i'm not sure if i want to buy it it it, it reminded me of very very when you watch old drag footage Mm -hmm. like she just seemed like a very old school pageant girl that's what i got from her however the first runway look she turned out with with the latex the Mm -hmm. kind of use everyday items look that was great she did a great job but i don't know she was i she she did nothing for me really but the other queens though Mm -hmm. um monique hart asia especially monet like Mm -hmm. they they captured my heart like i was really heartbroken Every time each one of them went away. Yeah, I do and think it's a crime that like Monet, Monet should be in that final four spot, not Cameron. Absolutely, absolutely, because I don't think that her twin, uh, the um, when they had a what was his name, Tyler Oakley. When I think that challenge, I don't think she should have been lower than Aquaria, and I definitely think that she did better than Cameron. Well, you know, it's so funny that you say it. it's something that I kind of brought up, and I don't know. I feel the show was sort of like weird about this too where the the whole thing was that eureka and, and michelle made a big deal about this that eureka was going to try and sabotage uh aquaria by giving aquaria a black queen yes right. but then okay. why wasn't that- i completely forgot that that happened but i remember watching it and just being like really really you think that being black is like a deficit is like a you know like oh yeah you're trying to sabotage her by giving her a black queen? Well, I think because they need different makeup. And this this problem has come up before in these challenges. In fact, on season six, uh, the last black queen had left. And then they did the makeover challenge. And yeah. then they had a black queen. And then they didn't give the queens the – because they need different kinds of, like, foundation and whatnot. They wouldn't give them. So the so the, 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 drag, the drag queen makeover – looked really weird because they could only use like white person makeup. It was super, super right. strange. In fact, that was almost kind of racist on the show. But the thing is, yeah. why isn't it equally racist? If, if, if what you're saying is true, like, okay, you need a different skill set to do a black uh, makeup, which is fine. That makes sense. Why isn't it equally r- the same thing that to give Monet Tyler Oakley, who's like the whitest person that ever lived? Exactly. Exactly. Because we are looked at our skin color are is we're seen as difficult we're seen as like you should not be able to know how to do it but if you know how to do makeup you should be able to like just exactly it wasn't seen as a deficit or like a disability or a handicap to give tyler oakley to monet because Mm -hmm. he's white and of course it's universal like of course she'll know how to do his makeup (laughs) Yeah, and it was, it was an assumption the show bought into as well. And it never came up that, like, well, why isn't Monet at a deficit? Or why wasn't Asia right. at a deficit with Raymond Braun? Like, yeah. a lot of the black queens had white people. Like, it was it was a super strange storyline. But, um, yeah, Monet should have been in that final four. Now, going – okay, so, so Monet, you loved. What were your thoughts on Asia? What were your thoughts on Monique? Clearly, you love them. I do. I felt like Asia's fashion sense – and taste level and just overall drag 
is just a touch more together than Monique Hart. But mm -hmm. Monique Hart, like I said before, I was like, what, dra what draws me to drag is not only just the looks, but also the personality. I was always in stitches every time Monique was on the screen in drag or as a boy. Like, I just loved her personality and she just gave me more than Cameron ever did. You know, it's just, I just, I love watching her on screen. And that's why, I, you know, the past couple episodes, mm -hmm. I've just been bored to tears because Eureka's too much and Cameron is not enough. Yeah. And so I've, I've been living for Aquarius looks and just everything about Asia, just everything about her. Love her. Yeah. Um, so now let me ask you this question. So we have so we have that taken care of with uh, the the girls. Now let's actually before we get into the reunion. Was there anything in the season that happened? You're like I, I don't. It doesn't have to do with race. I didn't only bring you on to talk about race. Um, <laughs> well, there, thank you, Joe. Well, was there anything else that happened during the season? You're like I need to talk about this moment right now. Anything else? Anything else? I mean, I guess just to me, the biggest tra tragedy was. Mm -hmm how boring it was <laughs> and how and how much they just let go of of good staple queens miss mm -hmm. cracker monet exchange like stars and what really set the pace for it if you think back is that they let miss vanjie go on the first episode the most memorable person in the whole season got cut the first episode and so it just set a pace for cutting stars cutting real stars and I mean, now I'm sounding like Asia. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's no stars left on the show, but really, I mean, I just, I just, I'm over Eureka. I just don't. She just, it's too much. Yeah. And I, okay, you know, I think the tragedy is, is just the mediocrity of what I've seen on this season mm -hmm. from Eureka. It's just been so the same silhouette, the same weird Ursula side ponytail, <laughs> yeah. the same. And I don't, I don't, I'm not. I don't buy the whole big queen as an excuse because look at Latrice Royale. Look at big black women in my everyday life who can turn looks, who know how, their proportions, who know how to dress themselves, who know how to look sickening. And I'm not saying that Eureka doesn't look sickening, but I think that she, it's like she uses this fat thing for a comic effect. Mm -hmm. And we're past that. I don't think Latrice Royale did that like as her main, this is my main thing. I am a fat queen and, you know, I'm going to, this is how I get laughs. Yeah. It's just, it got boring. Now, uh... So you, you made that point. So let's, let's actually get into the reunion here. Okay. So now, okay. and then well, I'm sure other things will come up. But now before we get into the reunion, I want, I want to give like a spoiler alert here. We know we're talking about the reunion because I think it's an important part of the show, especially when we get into the Asia storyline. If you do not want spoilers, I'm going to tell you, if you're listening, you don't want spoilers, stop. <laughs> Maybe go a little bit like when we talk about the Vixen, but because I do think spoilers are a big part of how Eureka, basically anyone in the top four, because they're up for the crown, I think it's important the way they react to this, uh, they, you can study it. Because what you should know, and everyone should know, even if you don't like spoilers, is they film the reunion the day after the finale. Okay? So uh, the finale has happened. Okay? The, the uh, night before. 
So this is the okay. next day. And so the finale is already in the past. This is the last thing they ever have to film. So, and I think that colors the way the girls act because now the decisions are in RuPaul's hand of who's going to win, you know, uh, and if they're in the final two. So if you don't like spoilers, check out at this point because this is, I, I think to have an honest discussion about what happens, you have to talk about what happened the night before at the finale. I think that explains so much, especially with Eureka and Asia. And even, you know, to be honest with you, I think if we, we can talk about it now, later what happens with Cameron is... Cameron is being is being dragged later by the queens and she can't say anything because she, you know, could be in theory up for the crown and just has to sit there and take it. They have to watch what they say because the finale has been filmed. Okay, right. Okay. So also to note is that with the are you hearing an echo? Am I hearing an echo? Sometimes it happens and it goes away. Okay. Um, the one thing that I don't understand is when they have the finale, they, they're not picking a winner yet. They mm-hmm. just film the finale and they film different scenarios. They film multiple endings. So what okay. happened is, so like this, the way they run it now is after they do the final lip sync. And in fact, you know what? We'll use a good example here of season nine. So in season nine, they filmed an ending where Peppermint won. And then they filmed an, an ending where Sasha won. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Gotcha. Okay, so again, before, here we go. Final final point here. Final time here. Get out if you don't want to hear spoilers for the finale. Okay, you've been warned. All right, so here's what happens. Very brief rundown. Is Cameron comes out. This is for the finale for the crown. All the four queens come out. They're in their lip sync outfits. Cameron, I mean, Cameron, Eureka, Asia, and Aquaria. Okay? The big wheel comes out. RuPaul spins the wheel. One of the most frequent questions I get is if the spin is fake. No, I think it looks fake on TV because they're cutting for time, but it actually spins for a very long time. Okay? And it's very real. And the needle lands on Cameron. Okay? And probably what you also won't see as well, it took Cameron forever to figure out who she was going to challenge. Forever. Oh, my God. It was so awkward. And he asked the audience. There's a whole thing, right? And then finally, he decides to ch- to challenge Asia. Okay, so he okay. challenges Asia to lip sync. So they're they're going to be the first team to lip sync. That means Eureka and Aquaria are going to go head to head later in the show. Okay, gotcha. So, so Cameron and Asia go head to head. Cameron Asia is wearing these two colorful canisters. You can actually see it in the preview. These two canisters for like uh, basically for boobs. And they're like colorful and they're filled with something. You don't know what they are. And she has like these wrist pieces on her as well. And the song is Nasty by Janet Jackson. They're going to lip sync to. And they start. And Cameron's just doing the standard issue Cameron and Michael's lip sync. Okay. But the whole time Asia is fussing with all these like stunt shows she has planned. So one, she like plays with the contraption on her wrist and a butterfly comes out. Okay. And then she takes one of the canisters off later and she throws it in the air and then just nothing happens. Right. I'm just telling you what I saw. I don't know how they're going to cut it. So I'm just telling you what I saw. Nothing happens. It just sort of just nothing. So then she continues lip syncing, releases another butterfly from uh, uh, something on her wrist or arm. And then she takes the other canister off and again, nothing happens. And you can tell now she's shook and she continues lip syncing, but it's very weak, weak lip sync. She's, clearly shaken and they uh continue the lip sync and it's very very clear 
that Cameron won the lip sync. All right. Now, what happens when they film the finale typically during the lip sync is RuPaul then gets up quietly and just leaves, goes backstage. And about five minutes later, comes back and, and gives her answer. In this case, she was gone for like 20 to 30 minutes. Okay, RuPaul, wow. RuPaul was. And before RuPaul, before the lip sync, RuPaul was in a really good mood, like really good mood. And like joking around and talking to the audience. And then the lip sync happened. And then she was like really stoic afterwards. Only was delivering her lines. was really quiet. I wouldn't say a bad mood, but was sort of like not in the best mood. Later, she does get in a good mood again, but she, she was clearly in her head. Okay. And I think that's important for the finale too. So, and now you have these butterflies, a few butterflies flying all over the place and they're getting in the light. It's a whole problem. That so, was just a dumb idea. Yeah, though. Okay. So the rumor is, and we're going to find out, that I don't know what the truth is, because I, well, I just saw what I saw. I just told you what I saw. What? The rumor is that Asia had the canisters filled with butterflies, and that they were supposed to release, and these butterflies would fly out at key moments in the song. Okay? So, and both contraptions failed. Okay? I still think, one, if she those butterflies would have been released, that would have been the biggest mess for production. I don't know how they... That would have been just effed everything up. But also... She was so busy fussing with everything. Like, she wasn't lip syncing. Even if it would have worked, it was just all about, like, stunt shows and not lip syncing. It was really weird. Okay. Then what happens is in it's Aquaria versus Eureka. I think now they pretty much are like, unless they bomb it, it's going to be a double Shantae. <laughs> and so it is. It's a double Shantae, Eureka versus Aquaria. And so now it's a Battle Royale top three lip sync for the crown. So it's Cameron, Eureka, and Aquaria lip syncing for the title. So actually in this case they filmed three endings. They filmed one with Eureka, one with Aquaria, one with Cameron. And uh that's where we are. So that's why I'm saying so that's why I think oh one thing when I, when RuPaul was gone for 20 or 30 minutes, the girls are just standing on stage. Usually they're just like chit-chatting or just hanging out. Asia the whole time had this like vacant expression, was looking out in the audience. If I had to interpret, she realized like, "Oh my god, I've been a drag queen for 15 years and now my whole career is going to be defined by this totally embarrassing humiliating moment on this show and like was just not she wasn't present anymore and yeah since then she's been very emotional on she's alluded to it on social media and whatnot and so that's why and we'll get to get to the asian part this is why i actually think she's emotional as emotional as she is i think she believes what she's saying but i think there's a lot more going on and i think there's a lot more going on with rupaul kind of getting very emotional with Asia. I think there's way more subtext going on. So do you think in that instance, Asia left out and kind of, you know, in the wind while these other three Queens went on because, you know, they had pretty seamless lip syncs and hers dumpster fire. And now she sees this person sitting across from her, Who's kind of been targeted yes. and she feels the need to kind of be on her side. Yes. That makes sense. But let's listen to the moment where Vixen walks off the show. But you came into the competition saying, I came to fight. And, you know, it's not like I you came, were. Okay, so I came into the competition saying that I came to fight. Never once in this competition did I start a fight. And wait, is that true? It looked like you were instigating things. And what did even, I, what even, did I instigate? Well, this, this thing between Miss Cracker and it's Aquarius. It's not instigating to tell someone the truth. Now, I'm going to stop right there. Do you agree with that, Jamila? Absolutely. I agree with with the Vixen. Okay. It's not instigating. Uh, you, you, you can also not say anything. You could, but 
What's wrong with telling someone the truth? Well, if you're going to tell the truth and it's going to create tension in the room, then that is creating a fight. You also have a choice to not say anything. Okay, this is right here where she makes a decision, right? Because then we're going to see her. She's going to thank her fans and then leave. Mm-hmm. What? What do you? If you had to speculate, what was going through the vixen's head here? I mean, if you listen to that recording, and you know, sometimes I doubt myself because I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, it's been a minute since I watched the show, but I'm just listening to it back right now. She's saying that you should just be silent. Like you can have opinions, but the second that they're too spicy or too, you know, going to bring up some kind of conflict, and how can you know what creates conflict? All that the Vixen was saying was, you were talking about Miss Cracker behind her back, and now that she's here, keep that energy up. I don't think that's starting a fight. I don't think that's instigating. Mm-hmm. I think that's just, you know, being opinionated and speaking your mind. And and I just, but, but the way that RuPaul is phrasing it is just like, you are starting fights. You are picking fights. And she cited that one instance where I definitely don't feel like the Vixen started anything. Which is funny because starting the show, you were like, I side with RuPaul. So I, wanna, I can't wait to get to no, the part where no, you side with RuPaul. I don't. I don't. That, see, that's the thing is that I don't side with RuPaul at all. Okay. I just think we are saying similar things about. Oh, I see. Sometimes you got to just let things go. But I'm saying you have a right to be upset. You have a right to speak your truth. But sometimes you kind of just for so you can focus on the competition Sometimes you got to let things go. Whereas I feel like RuPaul is saying, you're starting things, you're instigating things, mm-hmm. you're just angry for no reason, and you just carry that anger with you, and now you're lashing out at other people. It's like she was trying to baby and coddle Eureka for some reason, and it was really odd to me watching. But don't you think some people might say that the Vixen just didn't choose her battles? Would you agree with that? I definitely, yes. Because there's sometimes where I have been furious and wanted to go off on people because they are oh my gosh i've discovered the word gaslighting Mm -hmm. and i'm like why didn't i know this earlier because (laughs) happens to me all the time Mm -hmm. i just didn't know there was a word for it but like sometimes people will gaslight the hell out of you and it's angering and it'll make you furious and but but you are there for one reason and that's so you can win and what i think i'm upset at the vixen of is not I'm not upset at her being upset. And that's what it seemed like RuPaul was. Mm -hmm. I'm more upset that she didn't just take it and channel that anger into sewing her dresses, making sure that she had iconic looks for this competition. And, but I just, I think she has a right to her, her feelings. And sometimes also, I think a lot of times I've encountered with older black people in my life is that they say, well, I did things this way. And I went through, far harder times than you went through and I handle it this way. But we all don't handle things the same way and I think that's what Asia was trying to get to. It's well, just we'll get that, to that right yes, now, yeah. this is a sorry. No, 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 I said we're gonna get to Asia right now in a second. But keep okay. going. Keep going. Yeah. But just the fact that, you know, this is a woman who has been through a lot. We also don't see the things that you happen between her and your off camera Mm -hmm. maybe she just really needed to speak her mind at that moment and you know maybe eureka really irritated the hell out of her she irritated the hell out of other people you know but it just it didn't when that whole thing happened between her and cameron and 
uh, um, Aquarius spoke up for her and was like, you don't have to make Cameron sing. You don't have to make Cameron sing. Mm -hmm. It didn't make Aquaria come off as like someone who was instigating a fight. You know, like Eureka was high key being annoying. And I just wish that she had the power or the I wish that the Vixen had the power and the control enough to just pay her no mind and get back to work. I wonder um, if part of it is because, you know, uh, um, Shea Coulee and, and the Vixen are very close. They're both right. drag sisters. And I almost, Chicago, yeah, yeah. Chicago scene. I almost wonder if the Vixen showed up kind of ready to fight, feeling like Shay was done dirty and she didn't want the show to do the same thing to her that they did to Shay. Yeah, and, and, she very could have been on the defense. And just knowing how it is to be a black queen under the drag race fandom anyway. Because I'm not saying necessarily that it's hard to be a black drag queen in general. You know, mm-hmm. like I see a lot of black queens in New York now that I've pay attention to the scene yeah. who are doing really well and you know they have their bars are packed all the time in the fandom of RuPaul's drag race, you know, like you'll see a somebody as amazing as um Kennedy Davenport, yeah. whose booth is empty. Yeah. You know, nobody's coming to get autographs from her. And it's really sad because she's a killer queen. Mm-hmm. No, it's something that, you know, it, it come up recently because Bob the Dry Queen actually pointed it out and just simply just didn't really say much. But I don't know if you saw this on, on social media, but just pointed out, like, here are the white queens, here are the black queens. And look at, like, like someone like Blair St. Clair, I think, has as many followers as... Someone who like won like maybe like as many as I have to look right now, but has like like Blair St. Clair who went halfway through because she's a thin little white twinkie queen. Right. Like, you know, four hundred and some odd thousand followers. But I think I can't remember who it is. Also has like four hundred thousand followers. I also think that Drag Race is a funny show because they always try to up the ante for drama and for surprises. And so you go into the show never knowing what they're going to necessarily do. And I think people are still, I'm still touchy about Shangela. Oh, don't even get me started on that. Right. And just the way that it's kind of, I mean, and that's what it to me in my life has felt like to be a black woman sometimes is that you work your ass off and the goalpost is moved a little bit further you know like you work your ass off and they decide that eliminated queens are going to pick who who wins like you know they're like just crazy stuff like that i think you know sometimes people just walk into situations just defensive and ready to and when i say and that's why another thing that that was kind of annoying because it's like you walked in this competition saying you were ready to fight and it's like i don't think she meant like you know fight with other people i when i saw that i saw her in the fighter stance and i thought she was like gonna fight for the crown but not in the way that she ended up not fighting in the way that i wanted her to sometimes to fight for something means to pay something else just no attention mm-hmm. and focus on yourself. And in that sense, like I just wanted her to 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 keep it inside, keep that fire inside and mm-hmm. not necessarily explode on other people yeah. for her own sake. But when I was listening to Paul say it, it was more like, you know, you need to control your anger because you're an angry person. That's just how it to me and i know that's probably how it read to the vixen which is why she left let's finish let's, let's finish her walking off 
Okay, so I came here to thank my fans for the love and support that they gave me, for all the wonderful people who relate to me, understand me, and appreciate me. And now that I've done that, y'all can have a good wait, night. Wait, Vixen, wait, no, Vixen, can I'm I say that? Wait, okay, no. well, Vixen. I don't know if you want to finish up any thoughts. There. I mean, I'll just finish up the clip. But was there any uh, any thoughts come to mind? I mean, I think I think at that point, what else could she have done? You know, yeah. like what else could she have done? She didn't think that she was wrong. She mm-hmm. was very firm in her stance. If she kept there going back and forth with RuPaul, it was going to make her look like old victim who's continuously fighting with somebody mm-hmm. so instead of staying there and fight she thanked her fans and she left and she was probably just tired of it you know plus these are queens who not only have to go through an, an an entire season experiencing things but then they have to go home and then wait till it plays out for everyone else you know watching at t- watching on tv along with them yeah. so it's like she's relived the whole season twice mm-hmm and then, you know, now she's in a chair with someone saying, well, why are you, why are you such an instigator? Why are you such an instigator? And she has to defend herself. And once again, she's fighting again, you know, like mm-hmm. it just, yeah. But she, but she had to kind of known that this situation was coming, that the reunion's coming, that they're going to bring this up. She's read the, probably read the comments, seeing what people are saying about her, seeing the edit that she's getting. Mm-hmm. She knew she was going to have to address it on the reunion and I think in that moment, she just probably had enough of it. And Do you think it was pre-planned? Do you think she planned to, to walk out? I think it was the smart thing to do. Mm-hmm. I honestly just, I just feel like if she had stayed there and kept fighting, it, she wouldn't have won. You know, like there just, there's just, I mean, not win, I guess, because that's not a game, but it is, it really is. It's like kind of your lasting, the lasting impression that people get from you is this reunion. But my thing is that like, does she get penalized for that at all? Like, is she under a world of wonder contract where now that she walked out of the reunion, like, is she under that contract? Like, what happens with her? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, I mean, she she showed up. She walked off. From what we know is that production was shut down for like 90 minutes after this happened and they oh, regrouped. Wow. And like, so in, on there, they, they say that, um, so from what I've heard is there was an attempt to get her to come back. Like a producer ran after her and whatnot. Uh, I think mm-hmm. some of the, the hot take is that like, had it been like a more well-liked queen, they would have made a heart, a bigger effort to bring her back. But it sort right. of felt like it was a weaker day. Like, all right, well, you know, so I don't, maybe in a weird kind of way, world of wonder liked it, but she showed up and, that, and that's one of the reasons why they shoot the reunion after the finale is because they don't want the Queens to be in their heads during the finale. And then they don't want to have maybe like the Vixen walks off and doesn't come back for the finale. So, gotcha. which, which, which funny, oddly enough, it'll seem odd next week. The Vixen walked the set and then in theory and then shows up all smiles at the finale. Right, right. Which is sort of bizarre, but that's that's just sort of the way it, it breaks down. So let's actually go into Asia's. Now, Asia's thing is a little longer because she gets a speech and we'll, and we'll stop about every 30 seconds or so and talk about what's said. Here we go. Here's Asia now. They've gone to break. They come back. And now Asia has something to say. It's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Like it's 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 ridiculous that that our thought process about people is so self-centered that if it's hard to help somebody we'll just let them struggle 
We're not just drag queens, we're people. And now we've got one of our people outside. Here we are filming during Pride season, and we let one of our sisters walk out the fucking room because nobody wanted to fucking help her. And we're the first people, we are the first people to say that people are treating us right. Do you think there's anything... Okay, that's a lot to take in there. <laughs> but what, what, and, I, and like I explained, like, I think she's feeling some type of way right here after last night's finale, the previous night's finale. Yeah. But what, what, what were your thoughts on what she said right there? I mean, that definitely, hearing about the finale, it definitely puts that whole scene into perspective. Mm-hmm. But what I really think she was feeling was just maybe the same thing that I was saying, where it seemed like, RuPaul was and like really like well you're an instigator well you yeah. have a problem with anger and just kind of like poking at her and poking at her and poking at her and then she walks out and I feel like oh that happened with um with uh, Adore Delano and Michelle when mm-hmm. Adore Delano left Michelle ran after her and just the fact that you know they're all up on the stage and nobody they were like oh come on come on stay stay but then that was it and I think she probably might have felt a sense of guilt. And then just, I mean, I felt a sense of guilt just watching nobody kind of speak in her defense a little bit, you know, like there just didn't seem, it seemed like a little lack of a sisterhood when it came to Vixen. And, you know, and also we don't know what happens in these women's lives. Like that might have really hit a nerve with Asia and maybe she's experienced this in dressing rooms where, Mm -hmm. you know, she's been going through something and nobody understands what she's going through, you know, and, and she's just been left out. So you can tell it was coming for, from a, from a place that was just all too familiar and all too raw. Um, But to me, I feel like that whole monologue was aimed at RuPaul. Well, you know, it's so funny. Go ahead. She re- she referred she referenced the other queens just letting her walk away, but I think she was really upset with with Rue. Well, yeah. Well, look, that's look. You brought up a lot of issues here. Okay, one <laughs> is um, I I'm going to work backwards here. Let's talk about the Rue. Well, first I want to say this. It sort of felt like what she's saying in that speech, and we can play it again if you want to hear it again. And maybe you can you can educate me if I'm wrong here. But almost it sounds like she's articulating. Uh, the main point of the Black Lives Matter movement, which is, as I understand it, is that it's saying the Black Lives Matter movement was saying, you know, look, um, African-Americans are being um, incarcerated at a really high rate. Uh, African-Americans are going through all these things that are really horrible. Why is this happening and why is no one paying attention and why is everyone ignoring it? You know, and. Yeah. And one of the things I pointed out is what's sort of interesting, that's why I wanted to ask you about your take, your hot takes on the other drag queens, is I, I don't think this was an intentional casting decision, but I feel, excluding RuPaul, all of the African Americans on this season, in some sort of way, almost it was like the X-Men of, of black drag queens, um, highlight some of the best aspects of African-American culture in their own way. Like Mayhem has her own weird sort of like legendary. So I want to address something you said earlier. So like I knew someone who wasn't a big Mayhem fan that went to uh, a drag con LA. They did a battle on the runway uh, performance with the season 10 Queens. And this person was blown away by Mayhem had never seen a performance. It was like, Oh my God, 
how really? good, yes, when and that's sort of what you hear is, and we've talked about this on the show maybe since you left, which is there's a difference I think, and, and this is a whole other topic we could get into, where I think there are people who are really good at drag race but not good at drag and vice versa, mm-hmm. you know. Okay. And I think maybe Outside mayhem of the competition. Yes. So I mean, to, but to me, the reason why I didn't enjoy mayhem miller is just because it seemed like an era of drag that i'm just not into like this i felt the same way about coco montrese it's just like blue contacts (laughs) like just like duster feather duster duster era of drag that just doesn't seem for thinking in like fresh and edgy to me and that's why when she turned out that latex number i was like oh okay all right cool maybe i'm wrong then after that it just everything just kind of fell a little flat with me yeah but 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 people talk about her like she's a legend i've never seen so yeah so but i i i want to know why i want to know what i'm missing and now you just brought up your friend so i'm like what am i missing he was actually the he was the one of the dancers from uh all stars three that in that kitty girl video yeah so uh and so there's that then it's like monet has this like hilarious all-around great strength about her you know and monique Mm -hmm. is just the the narrator she narrates you know the season and asia has like this you know empathy you know and she feels so much she's like the mother and it just sort of Mm -hmm. feels like they all are like the auntie if you will and they all comes together and then Vixen is, you know, I, I, I don't know if I talked about this on my show or I've talked about this show so goddamn many times. I don't know where I talk about anything. But I have a cousin who's only a week younger than I am. And we're both gay. And in a family, he was kind of like the Vixen, right? And I was kind of like mm-hmm. Asia. And he, you know, our family was like a Mexican family. They don't have gay people, right? But when, when he was like 18, he was like bringing guys to parties and making out with them and dances. Everyone would be like, oh. <gasps> And like clutching their pearls, but you know, and he, you know, he took a lot of heat and a lot of hate and a lot of fights and everything like that. Why are you doing this? And you're ripping apart the family, blah, 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 blah. But, but, did, but did he get that from you? No, he, he didn't. He didn't. No, he didn't you. get that. No, he didn't get that reaction from me, but he got it from like the, 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 the sort of the establishment. And exactly. But that's what it felt like for like you compared your cousin to the vixen. Yeah. It felt like she needed a family member to come and really talk to her and really, you know, say, I see you, I see you, but, and I understand you and I understand where you're coming from. And I, under, and, and I think it's, it's, it speaks volumes when you kind of disregard a person's emotions and feelings and right to anger, you know, like it was like, she was kind of acting like it was coming from nowhere. Yeah. It's just out of nowhere, you start fighting with people out of nowhere, you know? And I think what the Vixen needed was a cousin to step in and say, I see you and I see what you're going through, you know? And maybe that's what Asia was feeling guilt about. And and going back to what you said about All Stars 2 is you're right, because there's a part where RuPaul's talking to Dora herself and she says, is there anything I can say that will make you stay? Because tell me and I'll say it. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a very good point. Let's continue on with Asia here. Could have said to the Vixen to make her stay. It's not about what we say. It's about what we do. What could we have done? If I had got up and walked to the door and said, the Vixen, we need you to stay. But the fact that we, including myself, let her walk out, she, that door closed behind her and she said, yeah, I guess I'm making the right choice. 
when Vixen decided to say, um, thank you, but I'm leaving, do you believe that she had already made up her mind? Uh, clearly, you don't believe she had already made up her mind that this is it. I'm going to stop right there. Now, FYI, the Vixen has responded to this, believe it or not. And uh, on social media, I should probably find the exact quote that she says. But something along the lines of, like, I, I'm an adult. Don't speak for me. And I, if I want to leave, I'll leave. You know? Mm. Um, and uh, I will find that while the next clip is playing. But um, uh, so. Was she saying that in, re- in reference to Asia trying to say, like, oh, she thought maybe if someone had come after her, she might have stayed? Yeah, I think that was it, it like uh about that. Let me see. About Monet. Let's see. There's so much the Vixen here. And about Asia turning into the Bash the Vixen. Um God, there's so much about the Vixen. I'm about to like look. I know, but I just like I wonder also during the season as filming was going on, did did Monet not see any instances of Eureka, you know? just being too much or did like, you know, it just seemed like she was kind of on her own with every argument that, that happened. And uh, that's why it seems why it does kind of seem like it's like, Oh, you started this thing because no one else was, you know, just, she just kind of like, I, I felt like as a viewer, I saw how extra and annoying that she could be. But it just seemed like the Vixen was on her own <laughs> in that battle. I found the but tweet. Also, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, the tweet says, one last thing. I don't need help. I'm not going through something. I'm not troubled in any way. After I left the reunion, there was a lot of talk about my needs. I need to be treated with respect. I brought important issues to the show and a lot of ratings. That's all. Um. So, I mean, the, and, and, you know, over the past few days, I mean, they've since made up, but Monet and uh, the Vixen have gotten into it uh, on social media, too. But they've made up. But uh, there was a little bit of back and forth there between Monet and the Vixen. Was it because Mo, uh, the Vixen dragged Monet's name into the whole Aquarius yes. fight? So Vixen claims that Mo- – so Vixen, the Vixen's point in social media is that Monet – totally chimed in during the cracker aquaria thing and then later on you know pretended like then didn't say anything when she could have when there was a moment for her to defend cracker she didn't and then later on was making it seem like the vixen was the one you know behind all this and and that but that if 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 cracker i mean i'm sorry monet had crackers back then why didn't she say it then Right. And if you look at the reunion when that did come up and the Vixen was still there and that whole situation came up, you look at Cocker's face and she was kind of like, yeah, Monet, you know me as a New York queen when it was brought up that, like, I tend to copy looks. You could have shut that down and you didn't. Well, I think Monet's point was that she said early on, I'm going to go through all these. Like, um, so this is what uh, Monet says. Uh, this is to the Vixen. You then insinuated that Cracker faked her way to Drag Race, to which I shut it down and saying absolutely not. If you have amnesia, I will expeditiously remind you with a clip from the episode after my gig. But like throwing shade that a Vixen yeah. can't get a gig. Um, yeah, it's it seems like it's a, it, and what's what's funny is it's a lot of like infighting. And you know what's funny is. Is that the episode, and I don't know if this is wise or not, if you think about it, the only people who really chime in, you get like a word here from Blair and a weird here from 
No, actually, Blair's the only white person who ever says anything during this. But, and it's only a sentence that makes no sense, is <laughs> it's really mayhem, Monet, Monique, and um, Asia, and, and RuPaul. And, and, and I actually do think, and I think that they were careful in their edit here. I actually think at moments when they're saying, um, when they're talking here, maybe we'll hear it in a second. I think RuPaul's talking about being black and not about being a drag queen. Because there's a point where he points, and we'll hear it right now, and he points at Mayhem, Monique, uh, Monet, and Asia. He doesn't point at any of the white queens, so I think he's talking about being black and not necessarily being a drag queen. But they try and make they try and like muddy the waters there. Uh, you'll you'll hear it here in the clips. Go on. Because I believe when she said that she was done, and there was nothing anyone could do to stop her. I mean, you've had discussions with her. In fact, we saw you have a lovely discussion with her where we actually got to see the sweetness in him and i saw the fear and i saw all of that and i understood why that wall was put up because i have that wall you have it you have it we all have it and it's coming from a hurt place it is but i can't i can't teach her that i can teach her about through my own of example what am i going to go back and follow her and go say come here no, let me I tell mean, you something not 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 at this moment no can I don't you explain expect- to someone who cannot be spoken to no i don't what are your thoughts there? <laughs> it was like, what do you expect me to do? Run after her and say that, you know, I see your pain. Yes. Yes. That's what you do with the family member. And I think that's what she was saying and why she was getting so emotional. Yeah. And also, I mean, she's, she's never done this competition before. She's never com- like competed to this degree. So, Sometimes you just need someone to to take you aside and say, listen, like, to validate the feelings that you're feeling, you know, and I don't think that she she had that. She just kept having to, like, fight these battles or she kept feeling like she had to fight these battles. Mm-hmm. If I were a good sis, I would take her aside and say, listen, like, I get your anger. I get, you know, and you have a right to feel the way that you do. But let's try to channel that into this into and you know and also i wish someone had taken her aside and told her that earlier i wish rue had done it and told her that earlier just because you remember that one challenge where it was i think the vixen and asia were paired Mm -hmm. and her first thought was oh let me be the let me be cracker and aquaria let's be like two people oh yeah Uh you know copy there's drag mm-hmm. and they'll get a that'll get a rise out of it. girl why are you focused on cracker and aquaria mm-hmm. you know like that's where you lost that whole that whole challenge you mm-hmm. lost that challenge the second you decided to make it about two other people who have nothing to do with you that's why i feel like me and rupaul are essentially saying the same thing as mm-hmm. in you need to focus on your own self I'm not disregarding her feelings and I'm not disregarding her anger. And I feel like it comes from a true place because I've been there before, mm-hmm. but you just have to learn how to deal with it and channel it into your own, your own lane. And I just, I, I honestly think that was the thing that was off putting to me about the way Rue handled it was that it just seemed to completely negate and disregard that, the feelings and the anger that she had was coming from a true and valid place. Well, I think and kind of what you're, 
she and, also didn't even call, you know, Eureka out for her part in it until the vixen, you know, made it clear that like Eureka herself admitted to wanting to poke the bear, so to speak. I, but I think what you're kind of saying, though, is you, like this speech that we're going to hear RuPaul make in a second. You kind of wish, why couldn't RuPaul have gone after the vixen and given that speech to her yes. face? Exactly. You know? Because uh, Ru was saying, like, is this what, like, you know, should I have done this? And the whole time I was just like, yes, you should have. You should have been uh, a mother figure. You know, these are, these are now your drag daughters and you did it for a door. So why couldn't you have done it for the vixen who might be, you know, in need of that, might be reaching out for that in yeah, certain ways I, I that she's saying. not even aware of. It reminds me of that viral video. I don't know if you've ever seen it of it's an African-American like uh, martial arts teacher with a little uh, black boy. Mm-hmm. And, and he starts crying because he can't break the board or something. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's saying, you know, cry. Like, it's okay to cry. It's okay to have your emotions. You know, like, I want this to be a safe space for you to express how you feel. You know, and especially, and that's a whole nother element that I will never experience because Mm -hmm. I, yes, I am black. Yes, I am a woman. I have my own challenges. But for the most part, the world at least in my community, I'm a, I can express myself in so many different ways that I don't have to p- pin it all up. Mm-hmm. Even at work, like in, it's in when I'm in environments where I can't necessarily 100% express myself, I know that I can go home and do it. Mm-hmm. But to be a black gay male, sometimes you go home, you know, and you're in a household with your parents and you still can't let it out. You yeah. still can't cry. You still have to have this crazy level of masculinity mm-hmm. and holding and so as adults these adults are navigating this now navigating their emotions navigating how they feel mm-hmm. and they might not as express it in the way that you think is respectable mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that you just leave them out to dry and i think that's why asia was getting so emotional i mean hell i felt so emotional just because I just, I, you know, like, I just felt like she was so alone in, in that moment. Oh, yeah. Let's, 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 let's carry on. Let's finish this up. expect you to do that, but yeah. But look at me. Look at me, goddammit. I, you, I come yes. from the same goddamn place which she is, comes from. Which is, and here I am. You see me walking out? No, I'm not walking out. I fucking learn how to act around people and how to deal with shit. I'm not fucking walking out and saying, fuck all y'all, you know? That's disrespectful <laughs> to each of you. And I know you, you feel for her because you mm-hmm. see yourself in her. Because you, we all have that same frustration. Let me tell you something. I have been discriminated against by white people for being black, by black people for being gay, by gay people for being too femme. Did I let that stop me from getting to this no. chair? No, I had to separate what I feel or what my, my impression of the situation is to put my focus on the goal. You, you can't just make um, excuses for bad behavior or for inconsiderate behavior. I invited each of you back here to my house into my home. And if I'm invited to someone's home, I'm not going to disrespect their home. I'm not going to just disrespect the invitation. You know, the world is hard. It's hard to live on this planet, but we all have to learn how to deal with it. But you got to ask for help first. 
All right, there she. That's her her uh, come to Jesus talk. There. What were your thoughts on that speech there? That I would have loved for the vixen to hear it. Yeah. But you know, it was a little too late, and I felt like when the vixen was in that chair the whole time, it wasn't. Uh, I see your anger. I've been through that too, you know, and what I would have loved for you to do is to find other ways to, you know, she, I felt like she wasn't counseling her at all. I felt like it was a more of why are you, why are you so angry and why are you such an instigator? And you Mm -hmm. just instigate that fight between Cracker and Aquaria. And you know, like what, like, especially knowing the kind of person, the personality that the vixen has, it's like she was supposed to sit in that chair and just defend her, her emotions, defend her reasoning for feeling the way that she did mm-hmm. and, and being expressive about it. So I just, I feel like walking out what is probably the only thing that she could have done. Mm-hmm. without coming off as just someone who is perpetually just fighting all the time. Yeah, I, I think that's the only logical logical conclusion because then what's going to happen, then they're going to go like, so shut up. And then it's like, next, Dusty Ray Bottoms went to correct, and <laughs> right, she just to right. sit there. And then she mixed and just had to sit in that chair and just watch the rest of this reunion after feeling like, you know, like, okay, I got the villain edit this season. I mean, and that's the whole thing about the villain edit or whatever they call it. It's, it just makes your blow-ups more memorable than your actual drag. And yeah. I know she's so fierce that, like, I just wanted her to be the second coming of Shea Coulee. I was hmm. ready for it. I was ready for it. Yeah. And I felt like her storyline was just all about how aggressive she is. And, you know, I mean, and that's the thing. It's just that I'm always consciously in dealing in my day to day dealings with other people mm-hmm. having to think about like, is this coming off as too aggressive? If I speak up, if I say anything, you know, like there have been times where I was in a meeting and uh, an executive called me Jamel and called me Jamel of the whole meeting. <laughs> and then when I finally corrected him, he was just like, Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. Just so apologetic to me. Mm-hmm. And in, in a way that made it seem like I was up, like, I was like, no, my name's Jamila. Like, you know, <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Like the way he was so apologetic to me, uh-huh. it's like, okay, like, it's not that big of a deal. I'm just correcting you. Mm-hmm. And, like, you can, like, I, like it's like he was going to cry or something. If he had a cried, it would have been like, hey, Jamilo, like, what the hell did you do to Frank? You know, so I'm just always aware of just how my, how I approach things. Mm-hmm. I never want to, it's just a constant, it's a constant, it's a constant thought. And, but you know what? It's also, I'll say this. Constant thought in my mind because I've had to navigate predominantly white spaces mm-hmm. for a long, 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 long time. It's a constant thought in Paul's mind yeah. because he's had to navigate white spaces for a really, 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 really long time. The Vixens from Chicago, and from what I've seen, has performs in black spaces, mm-hmm. has thinks she has a Black Lives Matter show. Like, I don't think she's going to like you know, West Hollywood all the time or like, you know, the village in New York. Like, I think she's 
performing and interacting in predominantly black spaces. So sometimes when you go to an environment you're not familiar with, you're thinking you can just 100% be yourself and you're not aware of how it's going to come off to other people and especially people who have the power to edit footage, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that just having someone there to, you know, Rue could have been a great coach, mentor, Mm -hmm. asset to the Vixen and really getting her to channel her energy in a different way. And that, that didn't happen. And I'm not saying that it's Rue's fault or anything. I just think that like, like Asia said, it's not, black and white you know there's there's humanity is 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 something that is complex and you can't just point a finger at someone wow i think i was gonna i was gonna ask you for your final thoughts on here but i think that's a great way to end this uh jamila you're gonna have to come back on and and, and, and yeah. i'm not gonna i'm not gonna ever i'm not gonna have you back on just anytime anything like happens to people <laughs> of color i just thought like it, this is a perfect time we're closing the season what a perfect way to discuss it with you and you were the first person that popped into my head so i guess i in- mean i have a lot of which is random because i went from not really hearing much about the show yeah not really knowing much about the show but mm-hmm. then it seems like as soon as i start watching it I run into people all the time who watch it. And like, so me and the black girls that I know who are watching this show were like, girl, have you ever been through this? And it's like, yes, it's something we've all been through. Someone made us angry. We let them know that we were upset. And then we were the villains. So it was definitely interesting watching the reunion special because I felt it. Yeah, but, this, <laughs> I but I'm excited for the audience to hear this because, you know, I already hinted to them, to some people that I was talking to online or via email who, and, and I would tell them I was going to talk to you and they were so excited because, you know, there's probably like three or four, you know, big drag race recap shows, you know, and mm-hmm. ours is one of them and it's, I'm a Mexican gay guy, but, you know, a gay guy and then it's two white gay guys with me. Then the other two big shows are two white gay guys each like i'm the of the six people on these three or four big shows i'm the one person and i'm just a, a mexican and so like no one is hearing either the black perspective or a female perspective because you know to be honest with you i would say around someone actually did an actual study for us when i said this but it's about half of our audience is straight women yeah yeah because you know what we watch the show mm-hmm. and it's who we want to be yeah you know it's 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 women it's femininity to the extreme mm-hmm. and i mean that's just it's it's so much fun to watch like i really wish that uh, i wish i could do drag you know it's just you it, can it's called bio it's, queens <laughs> what are they called bio queens bio queens yeah they're women who ah. do perform as they, they basically do drag they do that hyper they do that uh, I that, just feel like I personally feel like it's appropriation, so I won't touch it. Maybe I would love for someone to just make me over once, just so I can look yeah. amazing and like you know put me in six inch heels. But for the most part, it's like it's definitely you know an LGBTQ thing, and I love it. Like I love just being an outsider and getting to see and have a look into this community of performers and um, and seeing what superstars you know, come out of it. Also, another really important thing that drag taught me is um, 
that there's room for everybody. And I think that as someone who's, you know, a creative and is trying to create work, and I see a lot of women kind of in my lane or doing things that I do, and they're mm-hmm. really successful. And sometimes you think, well, like, oh, okay, well, this market is oversaturated yeah. and they don't really need me. They have 10 other people doing the same thing I do. But if you look at Drag Race, this has been going on for 10 seasons. And Every season, there's a batch of women who are superstars. Mm -hmm. And it's because they have something unique that nobody else has. And there's room for everybody. There's room for 10 more seasons of this show of Queens. And so that's just kind of as you have an authentic voice. And if you have something to offer that nobody else has to offer, there will always be room at the table for you. Well, Jamila, the same could be said for you. Because Thank I think you. I think people are going to get so excited when they hear. I'm going to release this immediately, but uh, I'm going to just do the little ending. I got I just have to hit this button right here. Mm-hmm. And Jamila, thank you so much. Um, t- yes. Let me know how much you love Jamila because we're going to have her back a lot. I think next season. But hey. uh, until then, I'm for Jamila, wait, I'm going to say your name wrong. How am I? Gonna, how, how's, what's your name now? Forget now. I know your name's Jamila. Jamila. Zara. Yeah. Zara. Like, yeah. All right. Jamila yes. Zara. I only know Jamila Williams. But, uh. Miss Van. Oh, Miss Van. <laughs> but we'll see you guys at, I guess, after the finale. All right. Goodbye, guys. Yeah. Bye.